Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Scott Soshnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays and Wednesdays and Thursdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Another good show this week. We have Chief Revenue Officer of the USDA, Lou Scher. But first, let's look at the top stories of the week. Joining us is Bloomberg Business of Sports reporter Eben Novi Williams. Wait, wait, I, before we go on, I got to tell you a quick story. You're the really, one with the really, money. He's like, before really, we go really on, really he's quick. the one going on. I, I had an endoscopy earlier this week, and they have to put you under an anesthetic. So, by the way, I counted from 100, I made it to 71. You I remember. think that's pretty good. I don't remember when I had I my shoulder surgery. I don't 10. remember. No, I, no, I made it to 71. That you know. was great. But I, when I woke up, I saw a figure next to the bed, and I said, I love it. Was it was not I, my wife. I, I, it was, I thought it was my wife. <laughs> turned, it, Taylor it turned out to be the nurse. It was like, and then the this nurse. This is taking a Seinfeldian turn. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Then the nurse goes to my wife, who was out you know, in the lobby, and says, you know, your husband said that I love you. That she, you know, that said he loves me. You thinking know thinking it was you. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Did you think it was her? Or did you think it was the nurse? No, I thought it was my wife. <laughs> I love them both. And then as we're heading, as. <laughs> Only one sponge bath. As, as we're heading home, it's, you know, it, all of us. And then this is when all the big news is breaking, you know, with Corn and Manafort, whatever. And I'm half out of it. I say, hey, wait a minute. Can we listen to? And then my wife, God bless her, she said, you need to shut the Sam Hill up because you just told the nurse you love her. Next thing I know, I'm listening to the 80s on 8 on Sirius XM. They have a, by the way, nice music. All right. I'm done. I'm done with my story. Uh, let's talk about. Uh, let's dot the I. Yeah, this is, this one is serious. This is about Ohio State. And uh, Urban Meyer came out and uh he held a presser earlier and said uh, that he apologized for what went down. You know what they say, Bart? And I don't want to. I really don't want us to be preachy because this is a business of sports podcast. So I don't want us to be all hand wringing and moral indignation and all that. But the best predictor of future performance is past, right? And I've said this before on this show. I always go back to that Gordon Gee line when he was president of Ohio State. Jim Tressel and the team had just come off a season in which they won a BCS bowl game. They were number five in the country. And then the, the kids were selling some memorabilia, etc. Tressel knew about it, didn't take action. And what happened? Tressel was suspended for two games. And when somebody asked Gordon Gee at the time if he's going to fire the football yeah. coach, you remember the quote. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just hoping the coach doesn't dismiss me. That was the line. And, Eben, you're our numbers guy when it comes to college football. For those who don't realize how important the football team is to the athletic department, which would be very difficult for me to believe these days, 
but they're in a unique <laughs> position of generating more revenue than anybody else. Yeah, make no mistake about it. This Urban Meyer decision was one that was made for money. Yeah, Ohio State generates almost $200 million a year on its athletics department. A vast majority of that comes from its football department. Uh, the football program is the front porch to the university. You can tie lines to the success they've had on the gridiron, to their success in other sports, to the fact that they're one of the bigger uh, public research universities in the country. There's so many ways in which college football helps feed and also help finance the Ohio State uh, endeavors. And, you know, losing a coach like Urban Meyer amid scandal is something that threatens that revenue stream. And when the chips were on the table, as we saw with this press conference on Wednesday night, uh, they decided to keep the cash cow going. Bar, no student fees, no university help for the athletic department. That's because of that football team. And by the way, we should add three games. That's the punishment, the suspension uh-huh. for Urban Meyer. Moving on now, Tiger and Phil. Oh, my, we got a match game going up. $9 million, and they have a date. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we have a date, we have a time. All of this was rumored and when the rumor came out it was going to be on TNT, I love the press release that came out because it really shows what's going on in the media landscape. It's Warner Media's Turner Division. You know, this is AT&T, Time Warner. This is why these companies are doing it. They get scale. They can put on events like this. It's going to be a pay-per-view. You've got HBO involved. You've got Bleacher Report Live, which is the, the OTT product. So you're, you're going to see the full might of this combined company on display. Yeah, this is the first time we're going to see the AT&T Time Warner mega mega giant at work. It's TNT, it's Bleacher Report, it's uh, HBO, it's Turner International for distribution overseas. Uh, this is, as Scott said, this is the future of media, and this will be the first event where we see kind of the full broad spectrum appealing to millennials, appealing to older Americans, appealing overseas. This will be flexing everything that they have for this product. And, uh, and by the way, Phil Mickelson joined Twitter like this month, very recently, and now he's promoting this thing. I'm like, ah, come on. Their 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 conversation between uh, Phil it, and it's, it's so terrible. contrived. Terrible. I wish they just didn't do it. That the names and the event should stand on its own. Don't slam people who just joined. Twitter. Old guys who just joined <clears throat> Twitter. Do I know any of those? <laughs> Moving right along. Big bar soccer. <laughs> Ronaldo, and you know, I, and I have to admit, he's going to be the ambassador to the zone, da zone. But I have to admit, it's like I wasn't aware of it until three weeks ago. I was going to say, in the U.S., a lot of people would think it's Dazin, D-A-Z-N, what is this thing? But it performed groups, sort of your, your OTT offering, and they made a big splash when they hired John Skipper. And now they're using the might and the international appeal of Ronaldo to make sure everybody in the U.S. and abroad knows what ex- what exactly this is. Yeah, this is more of a play for abroad. They don't really have soccer rights here in the U.S. quite yet. Uh, well, people but know Ronaldo, Ronaldo is a huge yeah. name. They have, depending on what country you're in, in Europe or in Asia, they have a massive amount of soccer distribution rights. Uh, they have deep pockets. We saw the billion-dollar deal here for boxing in the U.S. of all sports. Uh, this is probably, the again, this is the first of, of a lot more we're going to be hearing from DAZN, both overseas and in the U.S. Our thanks to Bloomberg Business of sports reporter Evan Novi-Williams, better known as Super Dude. Now our interview with the Chief Revenue Officer of the USTA, Lou Scher. Lou is responsible for all commercial activities and business development for the USTA, the U.S. Open, U.S. Open Series, community-based programs, and all associated USTA properties. In this capacity, Share oversees the broadcast, sponsorship, ticketing, and hospitality businesses driving significant growth in recent years. 
Michael, Lou has an extensive background. He's also worked at MSG, Time Warner Global Marketing, Clear Channel Advantage, started his career at Wilson Sporting Goods in Chicago. And Lou, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate it. We love when people come in because you really get a good rapport going. Really, we have a lot of fun in person. We love it. So let me say, first of all, happy anniversary. Thank you very much. It's a big year, 50th anniversary of the Open Air. We're, uh, we're quite excited. I'm glad people might, don't think it's his, he and his wife, but the U.S. Open. <laughs> we're only 20. But Wait, we've so how far in front of the Open does your life end? I know people who work at the Open like, oh, August or oh, July, and here it comes. You know, the the Open is it really is, it, it's a year-round sort of, certainly a year-round job, and, 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 and it's, a, it's a year-round initiative. There are different rhythms to different parts of the business or cycles to different parts of the business. But we will spend, you know, 22, 25 nights out in the uh, hotels next to LaGuardia Very so that we can nice. work out of the venue there. It's a two-week event. It's like you're in witness protection. <laughs> no one's found us yet. <laughs> I always see all the courtesy shuttles, though, at the nice hotels on Central Park South. You yes. You so make there, that happen. There, are, there are a lot of uh, International Federation <laughs> folks that are here in New York City. We actually prefer to be closer. Where there, you know, some of our matches go till 2 a.m. And just to be able to hop in a shuttle and go five minutes across the street as opposed to trying to get back into Manhattan to turn around and be back on site by eight, it's just much more convenient. Does what happens on the court matter to revenue or is that all determined ahead? Like Federer gets knocked out, Nadal gets knocked out, Djokovic gets knocked out. I got a bunch of no names. Does it matter to your business? It, 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 it doesn't have a material impact on that year's event. Uh, the places that you'll see some 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 change will be the value of tickets on the secondary market. All of our tickets are sold well in advance of the tournament. People are buying those tickets without knowing who's going to play on what particular day because the schedules only get set the day before. Our TV deals are locked in place. But in terms of buzz and excitement that then carries over into future years, and whether that be broadcast rights deals that might come up in future, ticket pricing for future years, um, sponsorship renewals, things like that, we certainly want to be able to leverage that excitement. And as an organization that's focused on a mission about growing the game, um, having those big names performing well certainly helps us inspire the next generation of players. One of the biggest draws in tennis today, Serena Williams. She just had a baby, and... She brought up the subject about the ranking system because when she had the baby, she got knocked way down in the rankings, and she said, hey, this needs to be adjusted. Your thoughts on that? Well, as an organization, we have come out, um, and I believe it was only about a month ago, uh, issued a statement that we were going to protect her her rankings uh, as if it was an injury. I may not have the technical terms exactly right, but as if it was uh, an injury so that she will be seated as she comes back into uh, into the U.S. Open despite uh, the lack of matches and the lack of, of points because of her absence. Way to take care of your biggest career. draw. <laughs> well, we think it's right. We've done it. Of course, we've, it's right. We've done it before with uh, with Kim Clijsters, so it's right. not it's not unprecedented. And not only is it fair to a person like Serena Williams who had a baby, but it's also fair to the person way down at the bottom. And now they find out, oh, I got to play Serena Williams. Oh my goodness! Right. Seeing Serena unseated as a uh, first round uh, opponent is is probably not high on anyone's list of. Uh, uh, U.S. You, Open goals. Uh, yeah, yeah, you don't want to be the third seed and see Serena right. in the second week or second day. You tease that your mission yes. is to promote tennis. I don't think people really know what the USTA does. They know the U.S. Open. How does the revenue flow 
I mean, it's sure. the big money maker, sure. but then how does the revenue flow? So the, the U.S. Open certainly funds the organization. But oh, the, how much does it make? How much does it cost? How much does it make? You know, our our, um, our reports are, our financial reports are, are, are released uh, annually and, and shared with the public. We're in excess of $350 million, and we've continued to uh, to grow. The, the U.S. Open drives a lot of the revenue for the organization, but we, we operate some other events, and, and we have a membership platform as well. So there are other uh, contributors. Um, your question is a great one, though, and, and, and one that's important to us. So we are a nonprofit organization. Our goal is to grow the game, not because we have a stake in, in the ball sales or racket sales or court construction, but out of a belief that tennis, not, certainly not alone among sports, is a great way to improve the quality of someone's life. You've got a son participating in youth sports. Um, sports can be a great way to improve the quality of life. And if you have enough people playing, the quality of life for the country uh, improves. The U.S. Open funds most of that mission, and the mission is focused on growing participation and, and, and getting, more, uh, getting more play. We have 17 sections around the country that benefit uh, from the, the revenues that are generated or the profit off the event that, that go back into investing in the game at all levels. At, at junior levels, player development, we have a 90-plus national championship and age group level, so juniors, seniors— Bar, you should play. <laughs> it, you finally found your division all, all three people in the stands will watch that one man <laughs> well you know what now speaking of old man bar and, and they everybody does a face plant when i bring this up from the days of rod laver avon gulagan to today obviously the equipment is better yes. but what has changed about the sport i think the the level of athleticism and and the the length of careers has changed. So if you think back to some of the great names in tennis, McEnroe, Borg, they left the sport at 25, 26. Federer now is north of 35, right? And he has been able to sustain that excellence um, for a much longer period of time. And I think that's a function of uh, better training methods and technology, more attention on diet. I also think it's a function of being able to manage schedules. So those players, in order to earn their living back then, had to play every week, right? They barnstormed, right. they played every week, week after week after week. Now you see the top players sort of managing their careers and their workloads so that they can peak at the right times, uh, going into slams, things of that nature. I think that's a big part of it. I think the equipment certainly has has had an impact as well, both rackets and strings, Um in terms of changing what you see on the court, right? You used to see back in the wooden racket days, lots of long rallies. Then as the technology got better, it became a serve and volley game with very short points. Now we're back to, because of the control that rackets and strings allow players uh, to achieve, we're back to more baseline sustained rally uh, points. And uh, so it changes, longer matches, things of that nature. We are chatting with Lou Scher, the chief revenue officer of the USTA. Your job is to make money. Yes. I'm interested in that in about, I think, 2015, you signed a long-term TV deal with ESPN, including digital. This is a time now when all these enhancements are coming. People are cashing in on these rights. You're locked up for a while. Why the long-term strategy rather than shorter periods and let's see what change brings? Um, we are locked up for a while and we think we're locked up with, with the best partner that we could be aligned with. Um, the value that they bring to our telecast, the production levels, the investments that they make in producing 
our broadcasts are, are unprecedented for, for our event. Um, as technology changes, and we know it will, and it every it, now we seem to be on sort of five-year cycles with you went from free-to-air to cable now to, to uh, subscription and over-the-top, all of those things happening. We're confident that wherever the viewer goes, ESPN will be there. Now, it may be accessed through ESPN Plus tomorrow as opposed to it used to be off of your cable set-top box, but we know ESPN will be there, and they're bringing their resources to support our event and tennis. They have Wimbledon. They have the Australian Open. They have some great tennis throughout the year. So we're, we're still comfortable that we are absolutely with the right partner. Um, as an organization, broadcast is not our core competency, Predicting the future certainly isn't part of our, our core competency. And so we made a bet and a long-term bet that they were better equipped to protect our audience and bring and deliver an audience for us than we ever could sort of on our own. Um, also worth noting, when you think about broadcast and the U.S. Open, we're a global event. We're much more like a World Cup that just finished or an Olympic Games from a broadcast standpoint than we are uh, a local team, a Yankees or a, or a league or, or something like that. We're telecast in 201 countries and territories around the world. Um, the Open or the U.S. Is, is a significant portion of our broadcast business, but the Globe also represents a significant portion. And there we've done different things. So this year for the first time in the U.K., the U.S. Open will be televised uh, through Amazon. And they will have all courts going at all times simultaneously and, and video on demand. And we're excited about uh, that as well because we think they're a great partner uh, and a great long-term partner. Did you leave money on the table for that long-term security and that expertise in ESPN? Uh I don't know that that's the case. I think it was a balance. I think they were the right partner. If you think, and we had had a long-term partnership, forty-seven years with CBS. CBS, sure. Right. Um, but if you think about how the U.S. Open was broadcast in those days, you had CBS on the weekends, you had ESPN on the weekdays, you had Tennis Channel in the mornings. We felt like a single destination solution was going to be more impactful for us as opposed to asking the viewer to try to track us down depending on on day of the week. Um, and if you think about two weeks with most of your broadcast being day, weekday, and then weekday evenings, where would you rather be as a sports property? And ESPN just made all the sense in the world. And the notion of sort of free-to-air versus cable, we don't believe there's a differentiator any longer. And not you anymore. Have, you have major yeah. sporting events on ESPN and other, other cable networks as well. Ken Solomon, the head of the Tennis Channel, yes. tells me, yeah, I'm sure he mm -hmm. is, tells me that Anna Wintour, like middle of the night, will send him an email saying, I don't like your graphics. I would suggest this. That's like a valuable ally. She's a friend of tennis. Absolutely. What, do, do, does she have anybody's ear? What, can can you incorporate a, Anna a, Wintour in the U.S. Open? She's been a loyal supporter of the U.S. Open. She comes out every year. She comes out multiple dates. Uh, there are certain players that, that she follows. You'll see her in player boxes. You'll see her in her, uh, yeah, her Roger. own I know seats. she likes Roger. We're not, we're not receiving her notes, per se, but we right. certainly uh, appreciate her support. She, she's she been uh, an attendee at our uh, opening night gala, which raises funds for the USGA Foundation on an annual basis. She's a, she's a terrific supporter uh, of the game, and, and we certainly appreciate, um, as we do many of the, the celebrities that are sort of a staple of, of the U.S. Open. It, it really is a, a who's who, both of, of Wall Street and, uh, and the entertainment who's the who world. From, who's the who of Wall Street? Who Give me the Wall Street names. Who's the who's who? Oh, um, Boy, if you look in the lower level of the uh, of the stadium, right, you might see 
Bill Gates, you've seen Michael Bloomberg, you've seen um, Jamie Dimon, you'll see you'll see sort of all of the top sort of hedge funds and, and financial services firms sort of represented in that lower level. But Chase is a staple. I mean, you, you JP Morgan Chase. JP Morgan. Time, yes. There are yeah. some logos that are just synonymous with events. I see Chase. I think U.S. Open. I see Chase. Even they said the, we're going to get to the roof, yes. but the design of the building looked like the Chase logo. Whether that was on purpose or not, I don't know. But that that that's that's just one of those synonymous brands. We're talking with Lou Sher with the USTA, and see, Scott made a mistake of showing me not how the first time. To do, yeah, <laughs> on how to do a survey on Twitter. Okay. And and now I'm going to go just hog wild. Oh, no. So I'm going to bring up this question. Now, I know which way you're going to go. But it, out of the Grand Slam events, yes, especially like Wimbledon and, of course, the U.S. Mm-hmm. Open, which there are so many ways that people view it. People think Wimbledon, oh, that's the greatest. People think the U.S. Open, oh, that's the greatest. So I'm going to ask your thoughts on that. Sure. Uh you know, it's it, it comes up quite a bit, and I think what's, what's unique about tennis, because the court dimensions don't change like a golf course might or a, uh, or a baseball field um, might. The surfaces can, can vary, obviously grass and, and clay. But I think what's great about uh, tennis and tennis at the Grand Slam level is all four slams have very different personalities. We are the spectacular slam. There is no doubt about it. We are bigger. We are louder. We are bolder than anything else in tennis. This we, is the event town. We, we, this is we the drive. Biggest. Our energy is derived from New York. 2 a.m. on a weeknight doesn't matter. People want to right. be seen. The it is, is Wall Street meets Hollywood. All of that happens at the U.S. Open. There's nothing, there's nothing else like it. What is so great about Wimbledon is the history. Um, and, and, and they're able to, to play to that history, and they do a beautiful job communicating uh, the brand. And if you go on site and experience it, you, you feel like you're in the cathedral of the sport. If you're a player, you might have a different uh, interpretation. So as a player, uh, some might say that Wimbledon Trophy, for me, is the most coveted title in, in our sport. At the same time, they will also say walking out into Arthur Ashe for a night match is the grandest stage that exists in tennis. 25,000 fans, night tennis. There's nothing like it in our, in our game, which tends to be more, more intimate. Uh, and they will tell you they, they would never trade that experience. Uh, so it, 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 it's really to your liking. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. We're talking with Lou Sher with the USTA, and what is, I guess to bring up another point is it's very easy to get televised viewership 
for the U.S. Open, for Wimbledon, and the other Grand Slams. Look at how he just but, dismissed it, what, how hard it is to make these eyeballs happen. <laughs> no, it, 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 no, man. It, it, tennis is... Listen, no one's sleeping at ESPN. Yeah, 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 it's right. so I'll easy, tell you says yeah, Bar. No, people are loving this, but when you get down to, like, you know, the O.O. SpaghettiOs open, man, it, people... How do Bar, you get people... You know, you, you know what I used to watch coming into the U.S. What? Open? When I knew it was like the U.S. Open was coming, <laughs> there was an old tournament called the Hamlet Challenge Cup. On Long Island. I don't Long Island. <laughs> I I sat behind Cheryl Teagues watching Illy Nastasi play. I mean, now I'm old man bar. But see? that's how I knew it was coming. But I didn't see much of the match, by the way. But <laughs> at, at some yeah, there you are. At, I was like ten. That's gonna expand. You're gonna see more televised tournaments on the lower level as we expand because you can stream and any tennis fan. Who has to get that Jones? Bar, can I jump in? Do it. Can I jump in here and, and you no, comment on this, please? Yeah. You, when Sport Radar, and we're going to have Karsten Carlon, the CEO, on the program mm-hmm. coming up. Ooh. When Sport Radar signed its International Tennis Federation deal, right. that was all about betting. That was all about live events in many time zones because the betting houses need live events. That's what keeps people on the platform. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. What are we going to see at the U.S. Open? In a legalized so, sports sure. betting so world. I'll, I'll address that question in, sure. in two parts. So you're right. Um, tennis, I think, might be the second most wagered on sport on the planet. That will surprise everybody here in the U.S., but, but from a global standpoint, it shouldn't. Uh, tennis's popularity around the world, no matter where you are, is either second or third most popular sport in, in any country, right? The U.S. is set up a little differently with our sort of four major sports. You get two 17-year-olds playing in Kuala Lumpur, that's a live event you yes. can bet on. And, and tennis is played every day. It is played weekdays. It is played during the right. day, right? It's not a couple times a week and, and weekends and, and those sorts of things. So as a result, uh, there is a lot of volume there, opportunities for, uh, for the, the gaming houses. Um, wagering in tennis is nothing new to us, even though it is the talk of, of the sports industry in the United States right now. Tennis has existed in, in, a, in a wagering world for years and years and years around the globe. The U.S. was the exception. But wagering on tennis, gaming, uh, gambling on tennis has existed. But Lou, I'm going to get closer. People for, aren't going to hear me. I'm going to go far away yeah. from the mic. I'm getting closer to you. I, I don't see you salivating at <laughs> yeah. the revenue opportunities. <laughs> I know it's not legal in New York yet. Yeah. But as the chief revenue officer of the USTA, uh, th- I would say think so, there's an opportunity. Here. So my peer group um, at properties around the around the country are absolutely salivating. They're salivating at at two areas of, of, of wagering, right? They're, they're salivating at the opportunity to maybe get a percentage or, or something over the top or off the top on, on gambling that is taking place. And they're also now rapidly signing sponsorship deals with gaming houses, the William Hills of the world, MGM and the NBA just announced a partnership for sponsorship dollars. Uh, By the way, that was, really, that was really only for the right to use logo. A, right. a designation that meant the nothing, data is available. and the and the data is available. Right. Um, for us, right? I mentioned this is nothing new to us. This is this is now the U.S., but the rest of the world has already been there. So we've participated in this industry for quite some time. So the incremental lift for us because of tennis wagering in the U.S., which is happening state by state, is not nearly what it will be. I think um, for the the domestic properties that have never had the opportunity to participate in that to begin with. Additionally, though, and very important, we're years ahead in this category. Um, we've just had uh, a thorough review that started two years ago, the, the uh, results of which were released several months back. 
on gaming in our sport. And there were some very specific recommendations made that we have agreed to follow. All of the tennis bodies have agreed to follow. One of which is no sponsorships allowed from those gaming institutions. So we don't have the opportunity. You won't see us doing those deals that everyone else is doing. And secondly, you're going to see a revision of the, the sport at the lower levels that will prohibit wagering on matches and tournaments below a certain level. There were integrity issues. And that in, was, in, that in, was yeah, the concern. The yeah. You might have a match where the prize money is $126 if you win that match yeah. versus losing, yet someone might offer you $5,000 uh, to, to tank a game or on a point because you can bet point by point, point, point. point may not change the outcome of the match but so we're, we're eliminating we're eliminating wagering at that level and below we won't be supplying data or i shouldn't say we the itf won't be supplying data on matches below that level and the idea is where we're what we've learned is when the revenues get to a certain point it's much less of a threat you really don't see it at big tournaments certainly not at, at slams it was really it was happening at the lowest levels of the game where there wasn't an opportunity to earn an income but that's what i was getting at earlier it's like when you get to those lower level matches and they being streamed all around those are the ones where you had those problems when and i guess it comes to the point somewhat i forgot who said it where if, if you have some sort of a software where if you see some unusual activity just like it would be for illegal activity on Wall Street, if you see unusual action on a match, yes. you can identify it. Yeah, well, that's yes, a and that, radar and that is happening. There is a tennis integrity unit that is doing that, and then um, at our event, we supplement that, uh, and we have a team that are tracking and are in conversations with uh, with the gaming houses to make sure that there is no um, unusual sort of activity from a ga uh, gaming standpoint. Um, so we, we monitored that very closely. We felt good about the results of the review because it did essentially say it's not, it hasn't been an issue uh, for, my, uh, for my friends in the U.S. I think the bigger issues will be sports and, and gambling where players aren't necessarily making what they make in the NBA or the NFL. So what do you do in college? It sounds like college sports. What yeah. do you do in college? What do you do in the, in the G League? Those sorts of things where maybe the income opportunities aren't what you'd like them to be for everybody. And then I think that's where you're going to have to pay a lot of attention. What's the thinking behind no sponsorship from gaming houses? Uh, you're, you're out there talking with the biggest brands in the world. Why not a William Hill? We are. The, the recommendation that came back from this, uh, this independent review panel was that promoting gaming, it's one thing to provide data and ensure the integrity of that data, uh, which is what typically uh, we're doing. Different story to openly promote wagering through and, and use our platforms to, to I want to, I want, so, that's a big eye roll from me yeah. bar that's a big eye roll from and, me. and and for you to have that yeah eye that's roll, a big that, one from me one, yeah. we only have about a minute and a half left. we sure. got to touch on on the, the roof yes the, the two roofs but ash was done armstrong now when they come to you and say we need to pay for this you say what? Well, uh, Chief Revenue Officer, as, you, as we said, <laughs> I, is the title. How much? I had asked, is there a Chief Spending Officer title <laughs> can, available? Because that seems like a lot of Can't we just fun. put a tent over we, there? We, we've not had trouble spending it. Um, thankfully, we've been able to grow uh, our event financially on, on all of our lines of business. So our, our sponsorship line has grown dramatically over the past few years. Our ticketing business continues to be incredibly strong, and we've introduced new premium products that have helped us do that. Yeah, it ain't um, cheap going to the Open, I'll tell you that. It, 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 as well. it, it, but you know what? Um, yes and no. 
Uh, if you want the most premium experience at the Open, which I would argue may be the most premium experience in, in all of, of professional sports, it can be quite expensive. At the same time, because of our mission, access is important. There are $30 tickets. You have access to 17 courts. You can sit in the front row. Uh, last year, we took a significant increase in our ticket prices on the lower levels. At the same time, we dropped pricing on 54% of the seats in the building. And those were seats that we were selling. And that's us trying to balance How the mission. How much is water? How much is a water? I would guess seven or eight dollars. Something along those lines. You can find water fountains as well. I got to ask quickly about Fan Week. Can you expand on that? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, this year is a big year for us. Not only is it the capstone on a five-year transformation and the new Louis Armstrong c- kicking in, it's the 50th anniversary, and we will be operating a six-day Fan Week festival, both in Queens and here in New York, for, for two days. Fans will be able to come on site free of charge. Not only will, be, will we be staging the qualifying tournament, which is the fifth largest prize money tournament in the U.S. for those last players trying to earn their way into the main draw field, but we will have the biggest names in tennis conducting open practices on our grandstand court, which seats 8,000. We'll be able to promote those, come out and see Serena or a Roger or a Rafa, watch them practice. We're taking our Legends Tournament, which used to be played at the back end of the main draw in week two. We're now moving that into fan week. So some of the biggest names in tennis history, McEnroe, for example, Chang, uh, Lindsey Davenport, others will be participating in exhibition matches during that week. Um, We will have player appearances here in New York City at Brookfield Place, a live draw unveiling with uh, Nadal and Sloan Stevens both, um, all of which designed to allow fans to get closer to the players than they, they could ever imagine in a more relaxed environment. The grounds will be open. It's a festival setting. Great food, lots of activities, great for kids, all free of charge. And once again, that's us balancing our mission. The mission is to inspire a love of the game, and we don't want anyone to be denied the opportunity to do that. We sell all of the tickets we can make available in in the main draw. So this is an opportunity for us to grow that. You know I do have to get to this. You know who I always see at the Open or used to see? The president. Any word on whether the president might be coming? I don't expect that to be the case. Uh, the president had a um, had a suite, uh, or his organization, his real estate organization, had a suite at the U.S. Open. Um, that's been suspended while he's in office. That was that was at their request. Um, so I don't I don't I'm not aware of any request. And typically we don't promote those in advance. But um, but certainly Bill Clinton has been there in the past. Uh, uh, Michelle Obama was uh, was a frequent guest and. Uh, it what, should be a great When I was a Cub reporter, I was covering one of the first things I ever did was cover the Open. And back then, it wasn't little digital recorders. I had a big pack. Mm-hmm. And I went down to talk to the tennis mayor, David Dinkins. Yes. And I must have taken the, the bag off my back. And, and I ran. On the Grand Central, I realized I forgot the bag. Ooh. I turn around. I zip back. I get there. And, of course, I, I guess that it caused a bit of a hubbub when you leave a black bag next to the mayor's box and let's just say i got scolded I by security at no, the open really like, i'm sorry i didn't mean to leave <laughs> yeah. my it was an i'm here yes. I, I, they had to quietly get it out of there I'm like i apologize so, so security so that was me open. i'm sorry yeah so so priority number one every year is is security at the uh at the open and uh our team does a tremendous job just just wrap 50 it up uh, i can't believe 1968 yes uh, wow arthur ash and virginia yeah. Wade were the That's right uh, were the first one Oh, Lou Share with the USTA. Thank you so much, sir. And it, it goes by so quick, especially when they're here.
the, these shows are that's what we love. If we're having a good time, the time flies. I've enjoyed it very much. We appreciate the uh, the opportunity. Takeaways from the interview. I'm impressed that tennis has grown to where it is now, but Lou did make the point that yes, Serena Williams is huge to this sport, and I just wonder, just in my own little pea brain, what happens when Serena leaves the sport? Well, he also mentioned, and if you've been out there, you know that this is an event. This is the media money is going to be there. Now it's how do you drive folks there, and they've got record attendance recently. You got to make sure you do that. You have a great investment in the new coverings, of course, at Ash and Armstrong, sunk a lot of money into it. You need to make sure that those courts are filled. And I don't see the big event feel of this thing going away. My, my wife, who uh, led me astray last week with the, with the word, uh, you know, she's already on me. Can you get tickets for the Open? I want to go. And, and then, uh, you know, you don't even have to ask my wife, by the way, do you want to go the first week? Or do you want to go to the second week? You know, it's kind of like, um, I want to see Federer maybe on at night. You know, that, that can, like, well, you don't know when they're playing. That's not how it works. You don't get a schedule. I don't know when Make Federer dinner can, reservations yeah, while we're at Yeah, it. while you're there, get me the club. You know. So this still has that big event feel. And the USTA does, uh, does its darndest to maximize the dollars. Because as we've explained in this show, it's not just about that event. It's about a broad-based community of tennis. This is not just a one-off offering. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week. The number, Scott. Yes is 125. Oh, one of those weeks we did not discuss. 125. Oh, Nothing coming to mind. Would you like uh, one of the passwords? The, Golf. Golf at 125. They're, they're sharing 9 million for the Phil and Tiger. Well, what was 125? With Golf? Well, it's going on right now. We're talking about the FedEx playoffs. Oh, my Lord. Look at you. We start with a field of 125. Really? Is that many? Yeah, they start off all this week. They're playing in New Jersey. And then they'll cut it down. Then they'll go to the top 100 points leaders. And then after that, it whittles down. Bottom line is it'll whittle down to the top Well, this was designed to to generate interest and buzz and keep things going later in the season. Is it doing that for you, Bar? Hey, $64 million in play. I think it's a cool way to do it. How much does it play for you? Oh, well, probably just, you know, a bunch of popcorn and watching it in front of TV. That's about it. You deserve some more. Oh, thank you. You've been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here each and every week, and we mean it at the same time. Plus, online is an Apple podcast. You can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. Big Bar, and I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. And thanks for joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. Darn to. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as an Apple podcast all night. Tune in. 
To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.